0: Uh, the Pasha is Nitzavim. The Pasha Nitzavim. And uh, in the Pasha Nitzavim, there's a reference that I'd like to discuss to uh, Arvut. Arvut. Arvut means the interaction between Jews. And we know about Arvut. We know about Arvut in uh, Mitzvah. In doing a Mitzvah. Uh, like uh, when you make Kiddush Friday night. Even though it's a mitzvah to make Kiddush, it's good. One person can can do the mitzvah, and everybody else is yotzei. the The fact that you could be yotzei in doing a mitzvah is called arvut. Like we we have, we care for each other. We're interested in each other. Uh, there's a ritva. The ritva in Sanhedrin says that the Jewish people is like you can imagine, like a body, and so. Uh, if uh, if part of the body is not in good shape, so it hurts the rest of the body, and so uh, if if somebody doesn't put on tefillin, if some man doesn't put on tefillin, so it annoys everybody else. So if you could help him, you could help him do uh, do the mitzvah. That's called that's called arbut. But there's other kind of arbut that the Torah refers to. And that's the arvut of aveirot of, of transgressions, which means that if uh, if somebody does a transgression, so it bothers me. I mean, I'm not I'm not at peace with it, uh, but it bothers me personally, not just ideologically. I'm not sure where chabad fits into this uh, to this discourse, but if somebody, if I see a Jew and he doesn't do mitzvot, then it's bad for me. Uh, you know that I'm I'm in a I'm part of a people that is not accepting its responsibility. Now, where does that come from? Where does that come from? So, first on the sheet, there's a pasuk in Vayikro, Vayikro Perikavav, right? Pasuk Lamed Zayin. Let me just find it in my uh, in my chumash. Perikavav. is um, is is where the t to- 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 is. One second. Perkov. Okay. Perkavov, Pasuk Mid Zion. But I just want to mention that that this pasuk is found in the Tochacha, at the end of the of the book of VaYikra, and in the Tochacha, at the end of the by, by, book of VaYikra, there's a list of all the terrible things that are going to happen to the Jewish people when they're sent off on exile, when they are exiled. So the the the, the pasukim before that, he says everything will be terrible and those that are left after the various punishments and they're going to be filled with fear in the places that they are exiled to the lands of the enemies and they're going to be afraid of, of a leaf flying in the air right Anything is going to put them in a state of panic because they're going to know that they're in living in the land of the enemy. They're going to they're going to run away from so anything that happens as though there was somebody chasing them with a sword. There's nobody chasing chasing them, but it's as though somebody was chasing him with a sword. They're going to fall. But no one's going to be chasing them. I mean, you can imagine that like some kind of a cartoon. Everybody is in such a state of fear that they're going to fall the rodeif. And then the pasuk that we're interested in comes and the pasuk says, vikashlu ish be'achiv kim m'ipnei the v'rodeif ayin and they're going to fall over each other. You know, they'll all be running to get to a safe haven and each one will fall on the other, as though they were being chased by a sword. In was. words, this is the punishment. After the real punishment, is going to come this imaginary punishment. They're always going to be afraid. And there's really nobody chasing them at all. And there's and you will not be able to lift yourselves up before your, your enemies. So there are two levels of punishment. One level is the enemy is coming after you to kill you, and the other level is the enemy is not coming after you to, to, to punish you, but you're in mortal fa- fear of what might happen. Now let's look at Rashi. Rashi says, ish be'ahiv. Ish be'ahiv, A man. His fellow, right? When they start running away, all these Jews in the diaspora are running away. They start falling over each other, right? They, they, they can't make room for each other. They're in such a state of fear and running away that that uh, uh, they fall over each other as though they were running away from people who are really trying to kill them. So this is the, this is it. The worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen is not, it's even worse than being chased to be killed. And that is not being chased, but thinking that you're being chased, and you're running, always running away, and you fall over, one falls over the other, and that's, uh, uh that, that's what the pasuk means. That's what the pasuk means. And then Rashi says, umedrash show. So you, you know, you know that Rashi sometimes does this. He tells you what the pasuk says, and then he says, medrash show. And and in each case, there must be a reason. There must be a reason that Rashi is not satisfied. You know, one of the commentators, one of the great commentators on uh, Rashi, the Chastei Dovit, Rav dovit Fardu, Rav Fardu, uh, wrote a, a parish on Rashi called Maski And in that pairish on Rashi, he adopts the position that when Rashi gives multiple commentaries, when he gives these multiple comments on the same pasuk. It's because he's not happy with either of them. It's something that he's unhappy. So that and and I think the Chama the adopted that position, and she tried always to explain why this is happy and this is why you could why he's not happy with the first one that he's not happy with the second one. This sort of uh, line of reasoning. But I don't think that I I personally. You know, Rabdavid Faradu is a great Talmud Chochem. and uh, but, uh, but it seems to me that, that what Rashi means to say, what Rashi means to say is that these two perushim are complementary. It doesn't mean that A is no good, so here's B, and B is no good, so we'll go back to A, which is kind of futile. Right? In other words, it's like Rashi saying, I don't know what the pasuk means, but what Rashi is really saying is that the pasuk means A and B. Like, it, it, it makes sense if you put them together. So Rashi says, Medrasho, Vikashlu Ish Be'achiv, Bavonoshal ze Yisrael Arevin So Rashi says, Rashi said, listen, um, it's not true that they're falling over each other for no reason at all. That's not what the posuk means. What the Pasad means to say is that we affect each other. In every community, people affect each other. So if the people in the community are living in fear, because there really is an enemy out there, so of course they can't do what they're supposed to do. Right? You know, uh, if you have to hide, so so it's harder to do the mitzvot. If you're always in fear, it's difficult to do what you're responsible to do. So the kashlu, ish, Be'achiv means that that the the lack it was here they are in the diaspora right they're being punished and they want to return some to themselves so they find out that kashlu ish that they can't they can't get themselves back to where they belong because there are other people around who are not keeping the mitzvot in a proper way so that's the kashlu ish be'achiv so we see that there is a kind of um, obligation. There's a kind of obligation that we have to each other to prevent the v'kashlu ish b'achiv. So in other words, if I have to do a mitzvah, I should do it in the best possible way because that's good for everybody. It's not just good for me, but it's good for everybody. I have this far-reaching uh, uh, obligation. So wh- when did this happen? When did this happen, this business of Arvut? So the Gemara in Sanhedrin says it happened when the Jews uh, crossed the Jordan River and went to Eretz Israel. Went to Eretz Israel. i, I would just mention that there's a Yushalmi. And the Yushalmi says, yeah, I, I have it here. I can quote it to you. The Yushalmi says, the Yushalmi says, there's a Yushalmi in Sota. Perak Zion, halocha heide. Uh, <laughs> so the Yushalmi says this. We'll get to that in a minute. Where they crossed the Jordan River, where they crossed the Jordan River, so the Jews, uh, uh changed. Something changed about the relationship of Am Yisrael to itself. But then, Omar Ab Levi, Yavne Hutra Haritsua. Yavne. You remember Yavne? Yavne is a city in a hotter part of Israel. So, uh, uh, Yochanan ben Zakkai, when the Romans uh, were capturing Jerusalem, and it was clear that they were going to be able to do what they wanted. So, Yochanan ben Zakkai said, T'nuli at Yavne v'chachamech. The Romans were clever, but not clever enough to understand that having a center of Torah learning would lead to the rejuvenation of the Jewish people. They didn't understand that. So they said, okay, just get out of here. You'll know, Get out of Jerusalem. Go to go to this hick town, Yavne, where you, you can do whatever you want because uh, Yavne is not going to be a great financial center. We're not going to be able to make any money from Yavne. We want Jerusalem. That's what the... That's what the Romans said, and they destroyed uh, the city of Jerusalem. But they let Yochanan ben Zakeh and the Chachomim go to Yavne. So in the Gemur it says, "Omar Avlevi, Ravlevi said the following, Yavne Hutra Haritzua, Yavne Hutra Haritzua,' which sounds like it means that in Yavne this din of of uh, Arvut came to an end." there was no longer any arvut. So now we'll go, we'll go and see later on what that Yerushalmi might mean. And uh, uh, before we do that, let's look at uh, what happened exactly to indicate that when they crossed the Jordan River, when they crossed the Jordan River, they were um, uh, suddenly overwhelmed by this obligation called arvut. So you know that after Yericho, the first city to be destroyed, you remember? Yericho, they blew those chauffeurs. This is the time of year when you blow chauffeurs. And, and the walls came a-tumbling down, as in that nice Negro spiritual. Uh, after Yericho, right, they were like full of themselves. They had done this terrific job. They conquered the city of Yericho. They went to Ai. And in Ai, they did not fare so well. And the parish of Ai is here on the sheet. So let's look at what it said. You see Yeshua Perek Zayim? Yeshua Yisrael They did something wrong. The Khairim was all the property of Ai which they were committed to destroy. But one person whose name was Ochon ben Karmi ben Zabdi ben Zerich lemate Yehudah he took Min Yisrael. It was like his story starts out telling us his name, which might be a way of saying that if the Jews were interested in finding out who took from the cherem, they would have been able to find out. And even though I imagine that at the beginning of the story they didn't know. And here's the story. They went to look into the eye. It's a piece of cake. Right? Capturing eye. Not a problem. So they lost. B'nai Yisrael was defeated in Ai, even though they were guaranteed victory. Uh, The spies came back and they said, You know they don't have any soldiers. They don't have an army. They don't. You know you'll be able. We'll be able to take them easily. I don't want to be too dramatic, but of course, if it israel, they just came from Eirichol, and in Eirichol they blew chauffeurs, and the walls came tumbling down. So what happened in I? What could have possibly happened? What could have possibly happened in I? uh pasuk zayl va yom yoshua ha shem elokin lama avata hazir et avaz et hayadayn rataytu ter biaday muvi la bidaynu velu alnu vane shev He hayadayn so he starts talking to god in the manner of moshe avenu like did you bring us here to get killed to get brought us here to lose this battle against I? He says, but, Well what what are we supposed to do now that everybody knows we were defeated And I. I mean that's terrible. The future our future battles will probably also be the same. So, so then he is he, more diplomatic. He says, Not only are we in trouble, but we're not going to be able to protect the great name of God. I mean, it's uh, the whole thing is impossible. Kumlach. It's always always the response of heaven. What are you doing? Like, don't you get it? Don't you know what's happening? So chata Yishael. That's what God says to Yeshua. Chata Yisrael, what's Yisrael? Israel's not the name of the guy. The parsha tells us who did it, Achon Ben Karmi. He did it. He's Yisrael. He's a person. But Hashem, who certainly knew who it was, says to uh to Yoshua, Chata Yisrael. Vegam Avru briti, ashet Ziviti Gan Gan they stole it they denied it they took it away who's they? who's they in the pasuk? there's only one there's only him there's nobody else So God says to Yeshua the only possibility is to uproot this terrible thing that happened to get rid of the cherem the stuff that was stolen and to destroy it with everything else. That's what that's what Hashem says. And they, I, I, you, you may remember the end, of the, the end of the story, right? The end of the story is that they, that they uh, draw lots, they make a pious, and now it comes out on Ochon, and everybody knew, and, and then, you know, the problem is solved. The point of the story, the point of the story about Ochon and I, is that Ochon obligated the entire people. That's the point of the story. The Gemara says this is the proof that uh, uh, Arvut began when they crossed the Jordan River and they came into Eretz Israel. Okay, you remember Korach and Bilam. Uh, uh, Korach, for example. The nation was not punished. Only those who participated were punished. The uh, building of the Golden Calf. Those who participated were punished. Here, in this case, in the case of Ochon, the entire nation was punished because they were not able, they were not able to fight against Ai, and they caused themselves great military difficulty. We say military difficulty, you mean everybody. You don't mean only the people who... uh, who were disagreeable, right? We know that, you know, if, if somebody in the state of Israel is very disagreeable, it could be bad for everybody. Right? Uh, so, we'll get to the, maybe the philosophy at a later, at a later time. So, we come to our puzzle. We come to our puzzle. On the second side, it's very empirical. Kavtet Pasuk Yudal. So we know that that uh, Arvut works for mitzvot. And here we see that Arvut, uh, we saw Tashlu Ish Achiv that it works also if you're in a terrible situation. Or, Achon teaches us that it works when one person does an Avera of national consequence. Let's say that. I wouldn't say that everybody who who might uh, take a sack of milk from his local uh, uh, dr- uh, lo- local grocery is causing a tremendous upheaval in the world. But here you had a national commitment with Oon. There was a national commitment to stay away all of the stuff to stay away from all the stuff they got in your And one person, one person uh, did not accept that commitment. But since it was a national commitment, it, uh, it, uh, it caused this tremendous danger that, that he had. So let's look at our pasuk and our parasha, in Nitzavim, in the beginning of Nitzavim. You know, Nitzavim is um, I would say the beginning of Nitzavim is about emphasizing the importance of the covenant. The covenant is found at the end of the parish of Kitavo. Those of you who are in Shul, you know that the end of the parish of Kitavo is also called Tochacha. Right? There are two Tochachot in the in the Torah, one at the end of Ayikra and one sort of at the end of Dvarim. Both Tochachot are really they're really contracts. The Tochacha is a contract. If you're good, good things will happen to you. If you're bad, Bad things are going to happen to you, and here they are. Here are the bad things. In both cases, in both cases, the con- the bad things are stressed. Both cases, the contract was kind of written before B'nai Yisrael was supposed to go into into um, Eretz Yisrael. In 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 uh, at the end of VaYikra. The Jews were on the verge of going to Eretz Israel, but then there was the story with the Meraglim, and the Meraglim uh, were a rejection of the obligation to go to Eretz Israel, so that the covenant between God and and uh, uh, and B'nai Yisrael, that covenant had to be restated. And that covenant was restated at the end of the book of Dvarim. Not the very end, but the end of the parasha of Ki which we read last week. Nitzavim, the beginning of Nitzavim, not the end. Nitzavim is a very short parsha, but it has a beginning, and it has a middle, and it has an end. So, what's the parsha tomorrow? Nitzavim Vayelech? Yes. Both? So that means there's nothing else till Simchas Torah? We're off till Simchas Torah? <laughs> There's no parsha <laughs> till Sivrester, so <laughs> what? Hazino, <laughs> ah, that Shabbos All right, thank you. Uh, so again, the parsha of Nitzavim, the first parsha of Nitzavim, continues the idea of the first pasuk, which is Atem Nitzavim Hayom Kuchem. The word Nitzavim. The word Nitsavim refers to like being strongly planted, like you're standing tall and straight. That's uh, like in modern Hebrew you say, Nitzav, that's somebody who has an important position, right? important position. And uh, in the, in the, in the Mishterah, I mean, half the guys in the Mishterah called Nitzav something, Nitzav Mishnen, Nitzav Rishon. They didn't have enough uh, Dargot. They wanted to promote you without paying you more money. That's always the way it is in Israel. So they, so they gave you another falafel or whatever they have in the Mishnah. and they said, that's it for now. You know, Come back and ask for more money at some other time. So, Nitzavim, the first part of the parashat, Nitzavim, is, the, is to emphasize the durability of the contract that was made between HaKadosh Baruch and B'nai Yisrael. And that's because the first contract, maybe, the first contract which is in the parasha of Bechukotai was kind of cancelled. And now the Torah ends, Moshe Abenu says, this contract is not going to be cancelled. This contract is not going to be cancelled. Nothing you can do and God won't cancel it. It'll remain. It'll always be. The contract, the contract is, if you do good, it'll be good. If you do bad, it'll be really bad that's the contract but there's never going to be a breach of contract such that the contract will no longer exist that not that cannot happen that happened once in jewish history but it's not going to happen again and we see that that uh, that even though jewish history is replete with uh, difficult times the contract seems to endure Right? The agreement between B'nei Yisrael and, and HaKadosh uh, and Baruch Hu endures. Now, it's interesting, certainly, that the Pesach that we're referring to says this, Ki et Asher no polimono made hayom Hashem v'et Asher nenu hayom. Which means that the contract the, the, it's Atem Nitzavim Hayom. Who's Atem? Atem is all the people who are alive. Atem Nitzavim Hayom. So the agreement between Akkadish Bocha and Bede Israel is an agreement between Akkadish Bocha and those who are here, the people who are alive, and also Asher Einanopoimono Hayom. The ones who are not with us, uh, uh, today. Ha-Nistarot, the next pasuk says, Ha-Nistarot L'Shevelukeinu. I mean, whatever that means, things that are hidden from us are known to God. Okay. Ha-Nistarot L'Shevelukeinu. Ha-Niglot, lano ulvanenu ad-alam l'asot et kol de ha-Torazo. Now, you know that in the Sefer Torah, it's not in this, on this page, you see the words lano ulvanenu Lanu uleva neinu ad, ad. So in in the Sefer Torah and in most printed Tanakhim, there's a dot on every one of those letters. Lanu uleva ad on the ayin, just on the ayin. Okay, what are those dots? So I'll tell you what I think they are. I mean, I can't tell you. Exactly, but I can tell you two references that are important. One is if you go to the Pot Top in the Israel Museum, you know that where they have the Dead Sea Scrolls. No, nobody ever went there. Yeah, no tourists ever came and asked you to take them to the So if you go to the Pot Top, you see the the two Isaiah scrolls that were found in. Um, Qumran, or near Qumran. Right, you find two Isaiah scrolls. One looks very much like our Isaiah scroll, and the other one is spelled, the spellings are very funny. They look like Yiddish sometimes. Anyway, in those days, in those days, if you wanted to, you look at the scroll, you could see if you wanted to erase something, unless you made a mistake when you wrote something like you wrote your name and you made a mistake and you wanted to erase it so now remember you have parchment parchment so you take your your little plastic eraser and you erase it nothing happens right what's the only way to erase on parchment as any sofa will tell you you have to take a knife what you have to scrape it you have to scrape it off now what's the problem with scraping? The problem with scraping is if you're not really good at it, you make a hole before you know what you're doing. And if you make a hole, it's very hard to fix it because it's missing. The piece so then you take another piece of partridge and glue it on the back and then put it on and then everybody will say, What do everybody say? It's a forgery. It was who knows who took that piece of parchment and glued it on the back and wrote the word on it. It's not like a fucking problem. So what did they do when they wrote contracts or they wrote, and they wanted to erase a word? They put dots on it. So that was good. Because a dot meant, here's what I wrote, and I don't want it to be there. Right? It's not, there's no mystery here. You know exactly what it means. And you all know that in the Ovos de Rabi Nosan, Ovos Nosan is the Tosefta of Pirkei Avot. You know, there's a Mishnah and there's a Tosefta. And if you don't know, so you should know. There's a Mishnah and there's a Tosefta. The Mishnah is called Pirkei Avot. And the Tosefta to that Mishnah is called Avot de rabbi Rabinatan. That's what it's called. In Avot de rabbi Rabinatan, in Avot the Rabinatan, Perik Lama, Dalet, Perik Lama is much bigger than Avot. Avot has... Five or six prakim, depending how you look at it, but Avotir Rabbi Nathan has many more prakim. And Paraglam it tells the following story that Ezra, Ezra. Remember Ezra. What is his kinui, Ezra? A sofer, even though he wasn't, he was a Cohen. Right? He, he kohen jobs, but he was also a sofer. What does it mean to say that Ezra was a sofer? It meant that he knew the Chumash very well, and that when all the Jews came back to Eretz Yisrael, they came with Sifrei Torah. Now, even though it was only 50 years since they had left, they had also new Sifrei Torah. And the Sifrei Torah were not all the same. Because, you know, people make mistakes. Even today, when you have so many ways of checking and, and, and figuring out what's going on your Sefer Torah can easily have a, a mistake in it even the computer finds mistakes all the time you know, the computer only really checks malay and chaser you know an extra vav or missing a vav, but it finds mistakes in sefer Torah that you read from for a hundred years you know really good balay korei and you find mistakes in them so Ezra Ezra was the one who had to somehow make a unified Sefer Torah. And he had to decide which was the right Nusach. And because he was Ezra Hasofer, we believed him. We accepted his authority. Right? There are few people in Jewish history who have so much authority that they're able to do something like what Ezra did. So in Avot the Rabbi Natan, in the 34th parak there's a conversation between Ezra Sofer and HaKodesh Bochum. And Ezra Sofer says, you know why there are dots in the Torah? In different places, but this word is like the most. He said, I wasn't sure whether they should be there. So if, Ribbon HaShalom, they should be there, I've written them. And if they should not be there... I put dots on them. And dots are the sign of erasing. So in this Pasuk, in this Pasuk there are dots on the words Lanu and then the next ayin of ad. Not both letters, but just the ayin. I'm not sure what that means if you would erase it, but I just want to tell you what the dots mean, even though there are no dots on your sheet. So it says Adolam La So this Statement, we standing with Moshe Rabbeinu are accepting the obligation on our behalf and on behalf of our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So this is vertical arvut. Vertical arvut is horizontal arvut. Where I say, I make a brocha and be motzi you in the birkata mitzvah. I can't be motzi you in birkata Usually. Except that the biggest mitzvah is part of the birkata mitzvah. You know, like, that how the Jews think about things. So if you're making kiddush, and you say, so you, so the other, everybody can drink a little bit of wine without making a brocha, even though birkata mitzvah is a birkata mitzvah. Because the birkata mitzvah is stuck to the birkata mitzvah. Which is Mekadesh Shabbat, Mekadesh Shabbat. That's how that's how we understand it. But that's called horizontal. So there's horizontal. I do for you what you don't do for yourself, and also you can mess me up because Shlu Ish Beachiv, right? Horizontally. Now, vertically, this pasuk says that Hashem Poimano AYom, that Hashem Nenu Poimano AYom. Right? Who is uh, enenu ayom? My children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, forever. And the next pasuk says, haniglot l'asot, and called the rea So this pasuk teaches us that there's vertical arvut. So there's horizontal arvut, Litovulara, and there's vertical arvut. In this case, letov. I accept the obligations of the Torah, for my children and my grandchildren. Now the Malbin, if you look, the Malbin tries to explain this Pasuk and he says this, <laughs> He's talking about Pasuk Kavchet, you see? I'm sorry, Pasuk Yudal. He's talking about Pasuk Yudal. He's <laughs> talking about Pasuk Yudal. How can you make a covenant or sign a contract with somebody who is not here? <coughs> <coughs> That the, that the agreement is between the people who are here and the people who are not here. People who are not born yet. Right? They don't exist. He says, it's like what it says in Gilata stare, You see? B'Koranilvim it's like a minhag. What's a minhag? A minhag is something that my father did. Or my grandfather did. It's not something I do. You can't say, oh, I have a different minhag. You know, that's like people who don't know exactly what they're referring to. A minhag is something that they've done for generations. Always. Even the people who were the first generation of the minhag, they think it was done for generations you know that that's what the minhag is. so so he says that in esther <laughs> and the prophet says not only for you im the lo <laughs> So he wants to change it a little bit. He says, I am not I am not establishing this contract with people who are not here, but they will benefit from it. They'll benefit from it just like you buy a piece of property. So it goes by inheritance to you so so you could say, Your children will benefit, your grandchildren will benefit, everybody will benefit from this piece of property that you buy. He says, he says, he says the Malbin. The Malbin lived in the nineteenth century. The the so he says, I lost the Malbin. How could the fathers obligate?" Their children. Shouldn't the children have the free will? I mean, isn't that like a Rambam principle that everybody's free will? So you accept that's uh, Hilchot Shuvah when you think about doing Shuvah. You think about free will? Because that's what the Rambam, the Rambam did. He put it into Hilchot Shuvah. The laws are free will, so to speak. Because chuva is a free will action. So how can you abrogate your children in a world that's based on free will? Adam who are Nefesh What does free will mean? It means what you really think inside of you. But you like you know, your most profound your most profound attitudes. So how do your profound the attitudes of the future three generations hence refer to to me today? I mean how can I say what the attitude what the attitude will be? And I want to just read the first one. The the Malbim himself uh, explains this in four different ways. But his question is, his question is that if a person has free will, and if a person's attitudes will determine whether he accepts the Torah or rejects the Torah, how can we possibly say, how can we say that standing before God, you accepted the Torah for yourself and for all the succeeding generations? Well, we know that in history, this is not true. I mean, there were plenty of Jews and plenty of generations who rejected the Torah. So, uh, so what does it all mean? So there, the Malvin had several ideas about this. I just want to read the first. He says, We believe, he believed that all in the Fashot that were ever existed in the world are somehow all collected someplace in heaven. And that's before they go into a body. So in other words, after the body dies, then the neshamot continued to exist. Unless there was some problem, unless during the lifetime of that body you did something that would make you Chayev cutting you off. So that all the souls of all the Jews, of all the generations, of all the ages, were there at Har Sinai and accepted the deal. Right? Accepted the deal. And... uh, the telonishonota it dotel yot be gofe ben lo mamad brit hal brit ar moab brit hal Is is a uh, and brit ar moab is kitabo be kiblulu yot shom riva torah va af sheina nishma hay cholal so what what did exactly did the shama accept? the shaba can't wave a lulav he can't eat a matzah it needs a body. Uh Y Kabluli Yot Shomrima Torah, Avsha Ena Nishavai Holocayev to Rabil Gloof, Ava Halo Avota Ngufim Shayu Azki Blu with Kaibuali Headua. Shaf Gamba either Sade Bizer Adama Yeshbukoho Komashi Tsma we Dalme Matsov Kolha Ola. So that's what he says. Well, we could say you could say. Look, I mean, uh, I think that Malbim was a little hard-pressed to explain. Uh, it, it was, he has to use a notion that's a little hard for us to to grab onto. That all the neshamot were there at Har Sinai, and therefore it was very simple. They all agreed. And Lono Neinu Adolam refers to the fact that each neshama will connect itself ultimately to a body. And that body will see that it is, you know, the neshama. That's what he says. How do you know what the neshama is going to say, or what you're what you're going to think about about this? He say, "Well, uh, uh, say so I know because uh, all these neshama were there at Har Sinai, and accepted the Torah. That's what. That's what. Uh, uh, that's what he says. So I think it leaves me. It leaves me feeling a little bit that uh, it in, was in order to justify these psukim in the Torah." The, uh, the Melbourne had to use uh, notions which are a little foreign to me. I, do, I, I know them. I know that that's what the... I, I don't really understand them. I don't really understand. But I do, know, I do know something, that today today we have a different language. We have a different language. We have, we have a language of genetics. And the language of genetics says, that everything about you, everything about you, I mean, every every week they discover something else, you know, like if somebody uh, combs his hair in one way or the other way, it's all genetics, It's it's in there, someplace. So genetics, for the uninitiated, which we are like more or less, means that everything about us has its roots in some genetic reality, everything. Of course, that doesn't mean that we can't develop it and change it and do something whatever you want to say, whatever you want to say, so that the idea, that, that my ideas uh, uh, are passed down genetically to the progeny, and the descendants, my descendants, is, I mean, there's a certain amount of truth to that, and maybe, maybe it also makes sense that we are very careful about trying to, even though we've had problems with this, but we are careful about identifying other people as Jewish. Like we, you know, there are certain times that we don't want to do it. And certain kind of conversions that we don't think are, are acceptable. And, uh, and the way the halacha is stated is that, that if a person is really interested in becoming Jewish, that maybe he really is Jewish. You know, and then we could convert him. But, uh, but this is, uh, this is a difficult, uh, a difficult, uh, thing to understand. But that's what the, that's what the Malbim says, I think. If you ra- if you said it in a different, in a d- with a different vocabulary, that's how it could come out. Let's look at the Svatamet. Let's look at the Met. the last, uh, the last source. The Medrashtan Khuma. Kulchem. What does the word kulchem mean? Kulchem arevim zebasek. It means you're all responsible for each other. Sadiq echad barchem. If, uh, what does that mean? If there's one righteous person in the community, one Sadiq, bizkhutal, now, this is a reference to the first pasuk in in Nitzavim, right? Atem Nitzavim, Hayom lashem One second. Atem Nitzavim Hayom, Kolchem L'vnei Hashem Elokechem. That's the first pasuk in our parasha. So the, the Menorah chuma says Kolchem, Arevim Zebozeh. Sadik echad Right, we learned that one can do a mitzvah for the other, and we also learned that one can ruin things for the other. And here, that the, the Tanhuma says that one Sadiq can make it good for everybody. Peyru show, show. This is what the Tanchuma meant. This is the spot meant. Kefi she adam in as far as you want to participate in this arvut that is open to you, that is open to you, the kabel kolech adal onesh klalot yisrael. If you're willing to say, "I accept the punishment that might be coming to Am Yisrael," al yedaze zochim gam ken laavod b'shut zeh hatzadik shizeh ba ha arvut. So, Arvut has benefit. Because if there's a tzaddik in the community, everybody benefits from that tzaddik. Uv'ermet, sitra de nekudat tana. He says, really, you know that kudusha is just a, a dot. It's just a small dot. Uh, when you speak about kedusha, when you speak about the light of kedusha, it's never it's it's the smallest amount produces any amount. That's the nature of light. Like if you take a, a little bit of light and you point it at Mars, right? So it'll go to Mars, right? You know, but you know about light; it just goes. The, if you want to point it to Pluto, go to Pluto. It's, it's the nature of light so that it contains everything, like sort of like metaphorically. Light is the biggest thing in the world, even though you can contain it in a very small area. You can put it in a box, for example. So he says, that's the citra of the Kedushah. So he says, therefore, therefore, you have to understand that how our vut, the positive of our vut, works. That if there's a tzaddik, that spreads itself over everybody, everybody benefits. Uh, so he says not only he says he makes the connection, he says vertical Arvut is dependent on horizontal Arvut. And in other words, for the met. Avut becomes a genetically determined factor that can be given as an inheritance to the next generations. Avut is not simply a description of how I act, but it's a description of how I am. I am an Avut person, and if I'm an Avut person, that our vut, that our vut can be passed down to the next generation as well. And therefore, when the Possek says, Possek, Possek, you he says, The Poimano Ayom are the people who accept our vut, not the people who accept the contract. Yeah, they accepted the contract, but that's not what the reference is to. The reference is that they accepted our vote. How did they accept our vote? Because they said, I'm with the tzaddik. Whoever the tzaddik is, whatever the tzaddik does, I'm with Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the idea that they accepted. And having accepted that idea of our vote, it's clear, the Svatemet says, that you could pass this our vote down to the next generation. So it's not a pellet. It's not a surprise that the Pesach says that this contract is being written between those who are here and those who are yet to come. Because those who are here are not just accepting the contract in a formal way, but they're also accepting the notion of Aravut. Having accepted the notion of Aravut, they're able to pass that notion down to the succeeding generations, who then, of course, are also part of the uh, of the Iwood process, which makes them part of the, of, of, connects them again to the contract that was drawn up between Moshe Rabbeinu and Bnei Israel. Have a good Shabbos. Next week, I'm giving a she'er here. I think on Wednesday night, not on Thursday night. No. What? Tuesday. Isn't that Rosh Hashanah next week? Wednesday night. Oh, I mean in two weeks. <laughs> In two weeks on Wednesday night, right, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, there'll be, I'll give you the sheer on Shuva on Wednesday night here. And even though I don't know exactly, I didn't know exactly when that was, but it is gonna happen. It's closer to Yom Kippur than to Rosh Hashanah.